1951 Refugee Convention defines who is a refugee. Also, it sets out the rights of individuals who are granted asylum and the responsibilities of nations that grant asylum. The 145 states which are parties to the Convention are obliged to issue travel documents to refugees lawfully resident in their territory. Greece is one of these countries. You are listening to The Undocumented, a part-time project which aims to give a full-time voice to the voiceless. Today, we emphasize on the documentation process and the steps an asylum applicant should follow in order to become, or at least try to become, documented. We had the pleasure to meet and discuss with Mr. Marcos Caravias, director of the asylum service in Greece. Finally, we hear from the inside the story behind all those debated issues. But before we proceed, are we familiar with what an asylum service is? The asylum service uh, is the service of the Greek state which is competent to A, register applications for international protection, essentially applications by uh, asylum seekers, uh, and B, make a uh, determination on these applications at first instance, as it is. Uh, so, practically, what the asylum service is doing, we register the applications that are lodged by asylum seekers, uh, and then we hold an interview with those asylum seekers, and our caseworkers issue a positive or a negative decision on the application. In Greece, there is a chance that someone travels to Greece lawfully, and then something happens in their home countries and they cannot go back. So the point is that uh, for those that arrive on the islands, um, people will go through uh, the procedure that's in place at the reception identification center. Uh, this involves um, a medical screening, a vulnerability screening, a fingerprinting, and the registration of the asylum application. Uh, and then um, there's a scheduling of the interview and then the asylum applicant will be heard by the asylum service and then there will be a decision on the application. Uh, but at the same time, there's a normal procedure on the mainland where uh, people um, that want to um, ask for asylum, they have to lodge an application for asylum with the asylum service. Uh, which means they need to book an appointment with the asylum service uh, where they register their application, uh, they are fingerprinted, an asylum applicant's card is issued for them, um, which means that once someone is registered with the asylum service and they have a valid card, they cannot be removed from Greece, they enjoy protection, uh, and then there's a scheduling of their interview, and then it is the same. An interview takes place with a caseworker of the asylum service uh, in the presence, of course, of a uh, competent and certified interpreter. And then the caseworker that has conducted the interview um, issues a decision. 
Um, and the decision can be a positive one. So an asylum applicant will be recognized as a refugee in the terms of the, uh, the Refugee Convention, or they will be recognized as a beneficiary of subsidiary protection, which is a different status of international protection. Or their asylum, applica uh, their asylum application will be refused. So there's a negative decision. There is a number of subplots to this story. I don't want to go into this. Uh, there is a, there's, there's a number of technicalities that involve processes of family reunification. So if there are family links in Europe on the basis of the Dublin regulation, there are specialized procedures that are to be followed there. But the, the timeline for any refugee is registration of the claim along with the issuance of an ID of an asylum applicant, then uh, scheduling of the interview, interview, and then decision by the asylum service. And this concludes the examination of the asylum applications at first instance. The interview is the opportunity that the asylum applicant has to present before the state authorities uh, the reasons for which he or she has fled their country. The applicant comes to the service to have an interview where um, they are called upon to present the reasons uh, they fear that if returned to their country, uh, they may be persecuted. So they may risk life and limb, essentially. So this, uh, the, the interview forms the center, the heart of the asylum process. First of all, it's an in-person interview in full confidentiality. Um, and second of all, it is uh, the final determination whether a person is entitled to remain in Greece as a beneficiary of protection hinges on that interview. So for us, the interview is the most important stage of the process. As in all of Europe, there's a dedicated department of the asylum service, which is tasked with training, constantly training the case handlers who conduct these interviews. And the case handlers themselves, uh, what they have to do is that they have to stay constantly abreast of developments happening in the various countries. So depending on what the asylum applicant claims, a claim might be 100% credible, or there might be an issue with what the facts are. Uh, so this is, uh, it's not a detective job and it's not a criminal procedure. So the archetypical image of the refugee as someone who is prosecuted by the state, the political dissident, the religious leader, uh, this is no longer the case. So a woman who has and is prone to face domestic abuse, or a woman who has suffered female genital mutilation may have a lawful claim to refugee status, or an applicant that has a sexuality-related claim. I can't credibly make, you know, suggest that we have 
taken thousands of decisions and there is no possibility for a mistake. I mean, mistake. There is a question of whether the credibility assessment at any point or level has gone wrong. So this is not an equation or algebra. The point is that there is an amount of, you know, essentially storytelling by the applicants. And then the caseworker has to ask some questions. Uh, and the truth of the matter is that there may be a decision at first instance where the claimant makes the point that uh, he or she, um, so that uh, the outcome the finding is mistaken or that there was a procedural issue with the determination and for that reason uh, I mean and this is why I underlined first instance the asylum service does the uh, issues the first asylum decision the asylum decision let's say um, decision on the application uh, for those who are rejected uh, they uh, have a right to file, um, let's say, an appeal with the, uh, with the appeals authority. And they review the case at first instance, so they review the work we do. So yes, there is a possibility, let's say, of, of uh, coming to a wrongful conclusion on refugee status determination, but at the same time there are procedural safeguards in place under a Greek, European and international law uh, to make sure that uh, no one is returned or no one is refused asylum when they should not have been. I'm not trying to sound defensive or, or anything, uh, but the fundamental principle is that people should come to a conclusion of the refugee status determination as quickly as possible and this should indeed be a matter that's swiftly resolved. But across Europe, um, this is not taking us, it's taking us longer, not just in Greece, but in other countries, than uh, some of the deadlines provided for in, the, um, in European law. On the island, we administer two procedures. There is a border procedure on the island and a regular procedure on the island. And there's a regular procedure on the mainland. So, depending on the complexity of the case and the country of origin, you might find completely different uh, time frames um, for the conclusion of a case. I can, I, I can tell you that. Border procedure across the islands on average is 90 days. Uh, on the mainland, it's longer. Out the last, we do a processing exercise every December, looking into the length of procedures. December 2017, the processing was around six months, uh, on average, across the country. Uh, we're doing an exercise December 2018. I project we're going to be somewhat longer. It's going to be somewhat longer. There's a story in Europe that the crisis is over and that the numbers are going down. This does not apply for countries like Greece or Cyprus. So the numbers of applications go up. So the needs are higher. At the same time, I can tell you that one of the reasons that for us some of the applications take longer have to do with interpretation. Not everyone speaks Arabic or countries for which there are people that are trained and competent and speak the language and Greek. 
So we need interpreters who can speak Sorani in Greek, Kirmanji in Greek, Tigrinje, Somali, Bambara if you are from Mali, and Greek to a level that guarantees you the procedural safety. The service became, it was set up, let's say, six years ago. It started with 13 members of staff. We are now at 700. We expect 140 more beginning of next year. We're trying to do our best to have interpretation at the ready for these people. But depending on the flows, you need to have interpretation available. I can tell you that the commitment is to bring the time down and I can see how people might feel that it's taking extremely long and how we're failing them in a sense. Or we should do better. And we are trying to do better. We are trying to expand uh, as, you know, the service that actually he listens to the I mean, registers the application and does the interview. Um, but we all have to collectively become better, not just increase. Also in Europe. So we can be more efficient, we can be quicker, but at the same time we need to do that together. Everyone needs to have an interview, which is personalized with a competent interpreter, and everyone needs to have their asylum application properly assessed. It's just that everyone's doing the same thing in Europe. But this takes time. I'm not saying we can't do better, but it's not an algorithm where you enter your uh, data and you receive a, an application. So this is important. But uh, the system, I mean, the, the, the asylum system is nowadays Europeanized to a certain extent. So decisions have to be taken on a European level that will make the system more efficient. We would like to thank Mr. Caravias for all the important information he shared with us. We also thank once again all of you for listening to our show. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and let us know what you think about our podcast. Your opinion matters. The Undocumented is produced as part of the Silence Hate Project by Media Diversity Institute, supported by the European Commission.